Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast, another movie podcast, hosted by two people that you like. This time, we don't have a third. That's right. Yeah, real random. I couldn't find a third for this episode. But you know what? You live and you learn. No Concessions is a movie podcast where we explore subgenres of movies. This week's subgenre is movies that share the name with a rap group that I really like, <laughs> People Under the Stairs. And after that, we've got our titular segment, No Concessions, where we cape for either a movie that we really love or we shit on a movie that we really hate. We haven't shit on any movies yet, so we'll get there one day. But the, the, the door is open. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But first, let's start with our opening segment. This week, we're doing some micro-reviews. I guess shorter reviews than our main segment reviews. Yep. Over the weekend, I watched Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. And I want to say it it wasn't particularly great. It's available on Netflix. I used to like Rocco's Modern Life when I was a kid, but I just, as I watched this movie, I didn't really remember why. Yeah. The show, the show was a lot grosser than I remembered it being. Yes. And that was a thing with like the cartoons of that era is they were mostly just gross. Yeah. It was really nasty. And I, I don't remember the end of the series, how the series ended at all, but I did, I like, I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't bad. Basically, Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert were stuck in space for 20 years, and then they finally find the remote to the rocket to take them back home, so they go back to O-Town, where they live. Yeah. And one of the things that Rocco is really upset about is that he can't watch his favorite cartoon, The Fatheads, anymore. And in space, that's all they did. They had one tape, and they just watched The Fatheads over and over again. Exactly. So he comes back to Earth, and he's like, I want to watch The Fucking Fatheads. Let me watch The Fatheads. And it's no longer on air, so his he starts a campaign, basically, to get The Fatheads back on air. His neighbor's kid, Ralph, created... The Fatheads. Based on his parents? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And the Mr. and Mrs. Fathead were the, their frog neighbors. Yes, uh, Big Heads. The Big Heads, right. Yeah, yeah. That was the weird frog neighbor, yeah. And Ralph is their son. Yeah. So basically, the the entire movie centers around Rocco trying to find Ralph so he can bring back the Fatheads. And once they go to Klingam, 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 I can't even say the name. Once they go back to Ed Bighead's company because he gets fired at the beginning of the movie, mm. they basically hatch a scheme where they, the dude who owns Klingamo World or whatever the fuck it's called, yeah. he brings in artists <laughs> Real to subtle. do to do 3D renderings of the Fatheads or whatever they want to make, basically the 3D animation version of the Fatheads. But the largest problem that I have with this movie, I'm not going to go into the rest of the story because basically it works out. Well, I, there's something at the end that I really want to touch on, but it the movie is kind of all over the place as far as messaging goes. Yeah. I don't remember whether or not Rocco was supposed to be a proxy for the audience so they can better understand like how he's feeling and what he's going through and kind of view the world through his lens. And it doesn't Rocco in this movie is kind of a shitty dude. And it's like, okay, well who, whose perspective is supposed to be the one that we're supposed to share here because the entire movie Rocco 
is just being a piece of shit about wanting his old cartoon back. I feel like they could have done a better job with the story because streaming is available widely everywhere yeah. in the year 2019. So they could have easily just said, here's like Conglomo World's fucking Netflix answer. Yeah. Just watch it on there. You can watch all the episodes ever since you were gone. You could watch any of them. And towards the end of the movie, he gets the fatheads back, but in a form that he doesn't like. They introduce a baby fathead, and he's giving this weird speech at the end where he's just like, you, you guys can't like this. This isn't the fatheads. They added something to it. This is different. I want the old fatheads. And he has to be basically talked off the ledge by Ed Bighead, and Ed's like, change is okay. Change is Changes are right. Do you hear that audience watching a 20-year-old cartoon? <laughs> Changes okay. <laughs> it's okay not to have what you want. And that's another big problem that I had with the movie. Yeah. It was very preachy, but it also contradicted itself a lot. Yeah. And it's like, well, hold on. Are you telling me that we that people shouldn't be watching this? Are you fucking serious? It, it, you didn't even change Rocco's modern life. You can't even say that the fatheads are supposed to be allegorical to Rocco's modern yeah. life because you didn't really change shit. It, I mean, you kind of changed shit. So the way that they changed something in this was that uh, Ralph Bighead is now Rachel Bighead mm. comes out as trans once they find Rachel in yeah. the film. And that's not, I mean, that is a big change for the character, but that's not the same level of change that's gone on in yeah. the Fathead cartoon. Like, yeah. That's a weird. It's like they're not sure what level of self-awareness they should go for. And they're like, we'll just go in both directions and see what people respond to. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't turn out super well. The story wasn't that great. The comedy in it is really largely just gross shit. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I didn't. Didn't find it particularly good, to be honest with you. I figured it wasn't going to be good. I didn't even plan on watching it until you mentioned it. <laughs> I mean, it's not. There are a lot worse things that exist, right? Maybe, maybe that's exactly what Rocco's Modern Life had always been. Yeah, and I just don't remember it because I haven't watched it since I was a child. I remember when they announced, you know, this movie or a special or whatever the fuck. Uh, I did just watch some clips. And even like the like quote unquote best of clips of that show, it's like we're so far removed from this culturally that this is not <laughs> this is not good. Dog. It's oh. mostly it's a little a lot of early '90s pop culture references, and then like the same kind of gross out humor that a lot of those early Nick shows had. I'm like, this is just like one step safer than Red and Stimpy, basically. Like this is it's a weird thing. I mean, like, it's got a charm to it, but I can't imagine that that alone hold, like, as far as we've come in terms of entertainment in the 20 years that show's been off the air, that it can't be carrying it too much. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, like, the classic versus modern touch in the show, what kind of fucks me up is part of the show is dedicated to how much technology has changed mm. and how lonely Rocco feels despite having technology around. He's like not really in contact with his friends. He feels a little bit alienated by the world and they don't do anything 
to kind of take that idea and move forward or make it a part of the story in yeah. any meaningful way. Don't even tie it into that whole his whole thing deal with the cartoon like they don't even no dude they kind of just like it was like the same argument but in different things and you don't even tie them together yeah just the same tired commentary on how our technology separates us yeah and technology isn't always better because they have those two weird chameleon dudes who are supposed to be like European or maybe gay. Yeah. I both. <laughs> maybe they just are big into incest and they're, <laughs> they're not necessarily gay. They just like incest. Uh, <laughs> like it a lot. Just conceptually. <laughs> yeah, they're the yeah. reason all of our porn hub searches are fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. And they, they make this like weird commentary about how studios use workers like, they're basically they call them worms in the show and they're literal worms mm. but they they're talking about how using cg to create cartoons is like soulless and like meaningless because it doesn't have the feeling of hand drawn shit and i'm like dude like this is i i get it but it feels like 90s messaging stuffed into like an early 2000s or a late 2010s show. Yeah. It's kind of just like, come on, dog. What are you doing? Yeah. Like clearly like you were allowed to make another 2D animated thing to just talk shit about how more people should be doing 2D animation. Yeah. It's really disappointing because it's I get what they're going for. And maybe the show was always like that. I didn't watch to catch up. But it was like, dog, y'all are, y'all are really preaching out here. It reminded me a lot of like a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, because it's all it's message heavy, and it's annoying to watch. It's if I had to tear preachiness in media, I would put Kevin Smith like maybe third or fourth from the top. Yeah, and I feel like this is in that space as well because anime. I'm going to say is number one on the preachy list. Actually, you know what? No. What I'll say is like shows like Steven Universe. Yeah. Top of the list for the preachy shit. Mm. And it's not necessarily to say that preachiness is really bad, but it's every every episode that I've seen has a message bundled into it. Yeah. And it's not subtle. And it just really kind of just hammers you in the face with a message. Mm-hmm. Like you need to understand this. And it's like, okay, yeah. fucking cool. Leave me alone. And then anime is right below that because anime, like, it's preachy, but the message is muddled because maybe culturally it's a lot different in Japan. Yeah. So when it's localized for the U.S. where it's like all politicians are power hungry and they just seek to destroy the world, kind of uh, the preachiness in anime, I see it more along the lines of, like, entrepreneurship talks Mm -hmm. or zodiac readings where the information is super general and it's supposed to be widely applicable to a lot of things yeah so anybody can read what they want to into it exactly so that's why it's a step below steven universe and kevin smith type shit especially his 90s shit and maybe this was how all media was in the 90s i don't know but it's super like the message is in there it's not as ham-fisted as something like Steven Universe, but it's pretty fucking close. And at close. some point, someone's going to give a fucking speech about something. Yeah, something that matters to the world. Yeah, or like how in Dogma, it's like four times in that movie where a character just gives a monologue. 
think yeah about either capitalism or organized religion or like it's just that it's can i can i just give you what i envision in my head as like the the standout speech from any 90s movie <laughs> Go not it. to say that this has ever happened but let's say this is like towards the climax of the movie and it's Maybe it takes place in a high school or in a college or something, and they're in a black box theater doing their little play in front of a bunch of people, and the main character gets fucking fed up with something that happens or comes to some sort of realization, and they stop the play to give this monologue in the middle of the play, and then the entire crowd thinks that it's part of the play, and they just clap along after the the monologue is over, and they start cheering, and then the main character is like, this is the exact opposite of the point that I was trying to make. And they walk off stage dejected and like the crowd goes even crazier. <laughs> it's like, fuck. That's exactly what I think whenever I think of like uh, a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. It's something, it's like almost, it, it almost sucks its own dick. Yeah. With like the messaging. Yeah. It's like the, uh, whoever's speaking or the proxy for the writer slash director has to like, be shown impl- like explicitly that they're like smarter than whatever their audience is, and that audience by proxy being the people who like won't get this movie. You are so right. That's how I feel whenever I watch a Kevin Smith movie, and sometimes when I watch a uh, a Quentin Tarantino I was movie, say Tarantino, <laughs> but like Tarantino's dialogue isn't set up in the same way that Smith's is. It's self indulgent in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And whenever. Whenever I watch a Kevin Smith movie, it's like it. The movie is not as smart as it thinks it is, yeah. And it's always just like kind of low key shitting on the audience watching, yeah. and it's not a pleasurable experience. Yeah, I was like, you're making this for like twenty people, and ten <laughs> yeah. of them are in your film class. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and <laughs> the other ten are cast and crew on your movie. Oh my god. Anyway. Uh, that those are my thoughts on Rocco's modern life static cling. It's probably called static cling because he clings onto the past. <laughs> it's not that clever, like not at all. So I managed to find some time in the last week to get through the boys, uh, Amazon Prime show, based on Garth Ennis's Boom. Was it Boom? I think it was Boom. Dark series. Horse. Whatever. Look it up. <laughs> And I was going to wait until I, like, read through, like, a good chunk of the comic. Like, I have the, the first two omnibuses. And I got probably eight issues in. I was like, there, there's no way they're adapting this too directly. It's too fucking weird. Like, the books are wild. So it's it's a looser adaptation. But I think they really streamlined it without... I mean, they definitely tone it down. There's so much violence in the book. I think the changes they made to the story kind of make it easier to get through because they're not, and which they have to, they have to streamline it because it's only eight episodes and they don't have nearly, they don't have the budget for nearly as many characters as there are. It's like want, like the issue with Wanted, and they went too far in the other direction. Where like the Wanted comic <laughs> is fucking full scale DC universe parody, and then the oh, mo- is it? Yeah. Okay. It's uh the, the book Wanted is actually pretty good. Okay. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Once it is pretty solid. It's definitely a product of its time. It was like, you know, from the early 2000s, but it's pretty solid. Uh, the Boys is about 10 years older, and it does not, it's rough. 
like to I get that because doesn't Garth Enos or Ennis? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, doesn't he have like an internal grudge against superheroes? It seems like it with all this, the shit that he's written, like the way he approaches superheroes, like conceptually, like he, he had a big run on the Punisher and that was basically like his whole deal. Like I think he wrote the, uh, the Punisher max series where it was just like Marvel, like you can do your R rated shit on the max imprint. And he was like, give me the Punisher. He's not a superhero. Like those other chumps. Uh, like on some like Frank Miller Wolverine shit, but like cranked up all the way, <laughs> and somehow less racist. Yeah, somehow <laughs> really managed. <laughs> so yeah, he did the Punisher Max. He also wrote he wrote uh, Constantine back in the nineties. Anyway, uh, the series. I think the biggest strength of the series has is the acting is pretty good. There's some times where the story like loses me because they take a little bit of time. Just like with the the fucking Marvel Netflix stuff where it's like you have the story you want. Like, let's get to it. Ten minutes of this episode could have been gone. This is not necessary. But when they like when stuff happens, shit happens. And there is they do do some really interesting like there's some weird like fucked up psychological things like that the characters are dealing with. Uh, like Homelander is way more interesting in the show than he is in the book. It's like that same. It's definitely what if Superman was a bad guy shit, uh, but it's so over the top. It's both over the top and really reined in. Like he's not just like, yeah, he, even though he wears a fucking American flag as his cape, there's only like one or two moments where he gets like ultra patriotic. And it's even those times are directly to serve a specific goal. The gist of it is, one of their flash analog kills this guy's girlfriend by running through her. It's in the trailer. Turns out he's delivering drugs. Spoilers. Uh, runs through this guy's girlfriend. It's very visceral. Um, and so he ends up running into this other, you know, this other guy who has a grudge against superheroes. Oh, it's Garth Ennis in comic book form. <laughs> what do you know? He's the good guy. Oh, what a surprise. And this dude's like super bitter. Carl Urban doing a great job. He's real fun as Billy Butcher. They do tone down like some of his obscene, like like the more obscene shit. But there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people getting beaten to death. Uh, at one point, this is also in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. At one point, he uses a super powered baby to shoot lasers at uh, some security and cuts them in half. Uh but they're looking to, he puts a team together to take down the company that financially supports these superheroes. The seven is like their Justice League analog in there. Uh, they're sponsored by this company. And the whole plan is like to get these guys taken down or like make sure that they don't. There's like a plot that makes it way about halfway through with like trying to get superheroes cleared for like military operations so they can operate outside of the US. The shit gets weird. She gets real weird, but they definitely use their budget in a way that makes the superhero setting feel worth it. Like you can tell there are some times where they kind of decide not to do certain things because they're saving that budget, that special effects budget yeah. for something else. And then it pays off. So like visually great acting wise. Great. There's some writing stuff though. That is just like, okay, we're dipping here. We need 
this is not serve this isn't moving anyone's character forward this is just kind of like set dressing and i don't need it you're doing enough with the characters that you have i don't need this extra set dressing but i think overall eight episodes is tight it doesn't end on a weird note does it end on a cliffhanger yes Season, the second this is season, the fucking problem. The second season's already go like already. They're being, gonna they're gonna cancel it after the second season. Mm. Why not just bundle everything and put it all out at once? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Or just be like upfront, like, hey, the second season's gonna be out in five months or whatever. Yeah. But I think overall, it's a solid series. I think it's worth checking out. Should I out. watch it? Yes. Okay. I was a little bit. I'm a little bit hesitant with superhero stuff now. Yeah. Because especially, especially shit like Garth Ennis's like eternal grudge against superheroes. It's something that I can live without. I don't like the contrarian content. Oh, what if all these guys were actually assholes? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, they do. And honestly, it is mostly that when it comes to like dealing with the seven, Uh but they do, they get into why and it's not like they're not redeemable but there are like these like really interesting character moves not even all positive there's like oh shit that's why this <laughs> and is it is it set up similarly to how the comic book is like the backgrounds of the characters uh for the protagonist yes except for uh the female and mother's milk they're a little different. Okay. And they're not using, uh, they don't have powers. Okay. So yeah, in the comic, the, uh, the titular boys have used a substance called compound V to give themselves an extra edge when they're phasing off against superheroes, gives them super strength, enhanced durability, stuff like that. And so in the series, they don't have that. And so there's less like direct physical confrontations between the boys and the the soups, but they work around it in cool ways. Okay. So I think it's worth checking out. I'm not, it's not amazing, but it's, it's (laughs) worth a watch. I wouldn't binge all of it in one sitting, but if you watch like two episodes at a time, give it a second, go into, you know, do it like that. That way you don't feel like you wasted a bunch of your day, (laughs) but it's entertaining enough. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, so the next thing that I watched was Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. And this one is kind of a continuation of the show, in a way. I don't know. It picks up kind of where the show left off. Yeah. It's unknown how long it's been. I assume everybody's about the same age or whatever. Dib, the... I guess he's the protagonist in the in the show, and Zim is the antagonist. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They're kind of both, both. Yeah. Because, like, depending on the episode, who you're, like, viewing, like, you're looking through, shifts. Sometimes it'll be, like, Zim's the protagonist of this episode. He still has, like, the whole subjugate the Earth plan, but, like, you're seeing it through him. He's being thwarted, so. Yeah. And basically the show's message early on is imperialism is cool guys <laughs> isn't zim lovable he, he's trying to take over the planet but isn't he lovable but he's incompetent so it's fun <laughs> oh well on the plus side they don't actually position it like that in the show so it's it's just by happenstance it's just more of a fun sci-fi romp anyway yeah. 
the movie's about Zim. He gets depressed because he realizes that the tallest, the leaders of his race, yeah. don't actually respect him. Mm-hmm. And he gets super depressed about it. And then he comes up with a plan to make them love him. And he executes that plan. And this was the time that Zim won. He won, but the day had to be saved because he would have been killed otherwise. Mm. And Dib and his dad save the day. Hmm. And Gaz helps as well. And also Gaz is there. <laughs> yeah. I, I I actually really like this. It's very funny. I laughed a lot. So Vader's Zim, this one I, well, like, I was planning on watching. And I went back and watched a few episodes maybe a year ago. And Invader Zim is like legitimately very funny. And I know like the whole hot topic culture <laughs> <laughs> makes it seem really bad and like lol random. But that's mostly from people who don't understand comedy uh, just saying like the punchline to bits. And it's like those are, that's just a non sequitur. You're not <laughs> you're not doing the bit. You're just like saying the part where it delivers, and then that part makes you laugh because of the setup. Yes. And so a lot of the culture around Invaderism, especially when we were in high school, because it was on from 2001 to 2006, was like, it was bad. It made everything <laughs> seem really bad. But that show holds up. It's very weird, but in a way that's very funny. Yes. And so I was like, this is a universe I could see them playing around in again. Yeah, I think that it would be worth doing another couple seasons of that show. Yeah. Just because it's fun or just maybe just watch the old ones. I don't yeah. know. It felt the same as some of the older episodes, except it was longer. Mm-hmm. And the story it had like a long, actually engaging story to it. I would recommend this for sure. I guess there's not really too much to say without actually giving away the entire plot to yeah. the movie, but I really enjoyed it. It was a fun watch. It's got the same spirit as the original. Yeah. And it was actually it's actually enjoyable. I'm like Rocco's modern <laughs> life. Rocco's that that thing kind of killed me. That, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I could see who would like Rocco's modern yeah. life static cling. But this is way better. If if you have to choose which one you want to watch, I would definitely say Invader Invader Zim because whole like all around it's funnier. Yeah, it's more enjoyable. I don't want to make it seem like I'm against things with a message, but it's not preachy yeah. in a dumb way. So I would say it's worth it, worth checking out. Yeah, it tells an efficient story with its characters in a way that stays true to those characters. Yeah, except Gaz maybe. Gaz is a little bit more outgoing than she normally was in the cartoon mm-hmm. in in a way that's like, huh, this character doesn't seem like the character anymore. Yeah. She was like almost a bit character for most of the episodes. Like she would just be like around. Yeah. She would just look and hardly open up her eyes. Yeah. And that would be the punchline to Joe. Yeah. There'd be whole episodes where she didn't have any lines. Yeah. Was like Gaz is just around and over it. Yeah. And she talks a lot in this, in okay. this one. Yeah, I would say check that out. Anyway, after the break, we'll uh, get into our review of 1991's People Under the Stairs. It's Denzel here, and I'm here to say that the Patreon rocks in every way. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash no concessions. Check it out. You'll love the bonus content on there. Welcome back 
to no concessions. Now we're going to get into our review of People Under the Stairs from 1991. We do have a request a review thing on the website, and the link will be in the show notes as well as a little Google form that you fill out. And yeah, we can we can do it like that. This particular movie was recommended by Homard Escargot, and maybe it's French, Omar. Omar. Couldn't tell you. Uh, me neither. Anyway. I only took French in high school to date a girl and then I dropped it the next year. <laughs> uh, this this week's movie is The People Under the Stairs, directed by Wes Craven, produced by Stuart M. Besser and Marianne Madalena, written by Wes Craven, starring Brandon Adams, Everett McGill, Wendy Robbie, and A.J. Langer. Langer. Music by Don Peake and Grammy Grammy Revel. Cinematography by Sandy Sissel, edited by James Koblenz. This movie has a runtime of 102 minutes. It had a budget of 6 million and a box office of 3.4 million. So it did pretty well. I want to start by saying something that you had mentioned during the break. This movie supposed to be a horror comedy movie yes but there's no comedy in there it. is absolutely there are no jokes it is there, movie there's is, not even any like fu- kind of funny moments no. like intention there's nothing intentionally funny in this movie at all nothing it's just weird and dark the whole time <laughs> like, yeah. what is happening it, i don't know what passed as jokes in 1991 <laughs> maybe west craven just doesn't get well no he did he directed a uh, vampire in brooklyn so he clearly understands <laughs> comedy <laughs> or has like seen it before <laughs> yeah dude how fucking strange yeah multiple sources like it's on the wikipedia that's a horror comedy and i, I looked at like imdb and I looked at, like some other things and i kept seeing horror comedy it's like this movie is not a comedy no <laughs> by any stretch it's just a horror movie so the story of this film is that poindexter aka fool is in a tough spot with his family. His mother's got cancer and his sister's got mad kids and they can't afford to stay in their apartment any longer because they were late on their rent and some quote unquote fine print in their lease agreement. It was like, if you can't pay, if you pay, if you're late, you have to pay triple to stay. Yeah. You know, it's funny because fine print is something that's like a very nineties concept. Yes. Whereas I don't think that's how contracts ever work. Nobody used it's, fine print. It's just people didn't read contracts. They're like, yeah. it's in the fine print. Dude, it's, it's in the fine print as in like this 30 page document yeah, that you, you just didn't have me. a lawyer with you and you didn't take the two hours it would take to really go through everything. You're yeah. just like, I understand in general, the terms of this agreement. Here's my signature that legally binds me to everything that's in the stack of paper. Just like we're all doing now with the terms and services yeah, and all the apps we download. I don't think those are legally enforceable, though, to be honest. Like, terms and services? Yeah. To some degree they are, but, like, I don't think that some of that information can be legally enforced. I think somebody got sued recently for Mm -hmm. their terms and service, basically because it was like, yo, we can give away your information. Yeah. And then I think the argument in court was like, this is not human understandable language that you use. Yeah. This is deliberately obtrusive. Yeah. So anyway, basically Ving Rhames is in the house. He's just there. And he's talking to, what's his name in the movie? 
uh, Ving Rhames' character? Leroy. Leroy. So Leroy's in this kid's house basically gassing him up. He's just like, yo, you need to come do crime with me or else your mom's going to die so, and your family's going to be homeless. They drop all this on you in literally like five minutes. It's yeah. Like, it just, the movie opens with uh, Fool's older sister, Ruby, talking to him about uh, tarot cards and like why she calls him Fool. And it's like, it's dumb and bad reasoning. But anyway... It's like that. There's that opening where they're talking about tarot cards, and then it, the scene changes, and they're like in their apartment, and just like he's just sitting there, like listening to his mom. Like I don't know how we're gonna get out of this, Ruby. I don't know what we're gonna do about this. And Ruby apparently has like a bunch of kids. We never see any other kids in the apartment. Oh, we do. He Poindexter's going through the room, and he's like, Oh, right. He puts a blanket on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Leroy's just there. Yeah, really weird. And he's like, hey, uh, y'all in a tough spot. You want to do some crimes? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Ruby's like, no, we're not letting this boy do no crimes. He wants to be a doctor. Like, you can't pay your fucking rent. And then he's right. Like, you can't pay your fucking rent. You're going to put this kid through medical school? He's 11. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's what student loans are for. <laughs> oh, God. How old is he in the movie? 13? Yeah, he's, yeah he just turned 13. So it, he'd be going to school. Like five years away from... Yeah, so it's saying it so in ninety six and then he'd be finished with school in two thousand four ish. Yeah. Yeah, with medical school. Yeah, I mean like I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> he'd probably be all right, honestly, if he got good grades in high school. And it's impossible to tell what time of year it is because it's set in LA. Yeah. But it doesn't <laughs> matter. None of this matters. None of it does. And so he's like Leroy's like, fine, I'm out. He leaves. And the next day, he comes back and just does the same shit. He's just like, hey, remember that crime I was telling you about? We should still do that shit. And then he, like, physically assaults him and yeah. his sister. He's just like, shut the fuck Don't you fucking touch me, girl. And he's like, you're out here running tricks. You can't even pay your rent. You got all these kids. I'm trying, to teach this, I'm trying to teach this boy how to be a man. And he's just like, their mom's in the other room dying of cancer. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, like, roughing up her kids oh my god but anyway he like talks her talks him into it or like just says that he's going to do it and then it cuts to them casing this house yeah they do establish that it's the home of the people who own their apartment building yes and it's talk about like a weird shoehorned in like connection so they own the liquor store that Leroy robs yeah. off screen and then in that liquor store they also have like a map to the house where there are like yeah. gold bullions or some shit yeah they somehow find out they have like rare gold coins and also like blueprints of the house yeah like why would those be in the li- whatever exactly but- very very weird and they establish early in the movie that the couple that owns the building is also racist. Yeah. And Bye. that's the only time it ever comes up, too. Literally. Oh, actually, no. There are two it almost times. comes up. Yeah, it comes up again at the end. Uh, so it's also when the lady is talking to uh, the dude dressed as the gas man. Oh, yeah. When she's like, the neighborhood is changing. There's like a new element here. Yeah. And I was just like. Oh, also uh, with the cops. Oh, yeah. When yeah, yeah. the cops the first maybe, time. Maybe that was it. Maybe yeah. that like was they don't, There's not really a community here yeah yeah they, that's when that's when it's when she's talking to the cops yeah but yeah they do establish that uh 
these this weird family is racist uh, by having the uh, while they're actively abusing their daughter, their quote unquote daughter. Yeah, it's also very we- very weird kind of setup for this family. They don't give you any information until like. Or it's either no information or one character just delivers all the backstory at once. It happens twice. <laughs> when Leroy is like, your mom's got cancer. Uh, you can't pay your rent. You got to be out by t- by midnight. <laughs> and then later, the, his, their grandfather is like, yeah, they're this like weird incest couple. They're not even like they're not even married. They're brother and sister, and they keep kidnapping kids. They, the community knows. It's one of those open secrets, baby. Anyway. So they're like casing the joint, like, yo, see if you can get in here, dress up as a bear scout, <laughs> selling cookies or whatever, try to get in, see if they got security. And the the lady doesn't let him in. A uh, fool is dressed as a boy scout. Yes. And like, she doesn't let him in. And then there are the other guy that Leroy does crimes with. <laughs> the, like The white one. Yeah. It's like, you didn't do a good enough job doing crimes, little boy. <laughs> I'm going to go crime better. Why? My question was, why didn't you just do this from the start? Yeah, why are you in, why are you involving a thirteen year old? Yeah, why? Like, just go to the house, just go fucking in there, yeah. dude. Because they would have had the same result anyway. Yeah, nothing would have changed. Yeah, Except, well, I guess they would have just both died, and there would this family would have kept uh, abusing children. Yeah, well, maybe. So, it, it, what happens eventually is uh, let's call him Scooter. I don't know his actual name in the movie. He goes into the house. And it's been a little bit. Some time passes, and the family that lives in the house leaves. Yeah. So Leroy's like, what the fuck? They're leaving him in there by himself? That's weird. And later on in the film, it's kind of alluded to that they kill anybody who comes inside the house, regardless. So... Yeah. What's her name? Alice, the daughter, makes dolls of every person. Everybody comes into the house and doesn't leave. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Anyway... They go they go inside the house, which is like not recommended. Even if you're doing a B and E. Yeah. The people leave the house and then you just kind of go in as they leave. They pull into the driveway. <laughs> Leroy yeah. pulls the truck, the van, into their driveway. They're already parked across the street. Just walk across the street. But yeah. he's like, nah, that dude's trying to get all the good stuff for himself. He's stealing already. We're supposed to do this crime together. And so, like, Ving Rhames is just angry this whole movie and, like, weird and abusive to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, they break in. They've got a, the family has, like, a dog. It's a Rottweiler named Prince. They manage to trap the dog outside and start just, like, casing the fucking joint. And Fool goes downstairs and into the basement. Goes upstairs. Into the basement that all those LA homes have, you know. Yeah, it's a big thing. Actually, in LA, like I I'm pretty sure they purposefully build buildings without basements in the event of an earthquake. Yeah. That's a thing in California. Like most Californian homes, especially in Southern California, don't have basements for that exact reason. Yeah. Because that's the last thing you need is an earthquake to happen and then your house collapses into the <laughs> the sec the third story that you have underneath it. Yeah. That's you don't want that. <laughs> Anyway, so he goes down and shit's weird, like out the gate. Yeah. There's like, at first he can't really see. The movie's very poorly lit. I think it's supposed to be atmospheric, but it mostly comes off as we didn't hire a lighting guy. (laughs) (laughs) But he sees like body parts, like nailed to the wall and shit. And then there's people, there's like just shuffling and shit. 
and he like sees a TV and like he moves it because he hears like someone talking like he hears the news basically climbs up moves the shit and then he notices like the people moving it's like I gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> and so he goes and is that when the stairs drop the first time yes so the stairs fucking it's a trap they fall down it's like a slide he ends up back down that's when he discovers scooter's body yeah and he's like oh fuck man we got to get out of here like, are you okay you're right and he's not he's fucking dead uh he's super pale uh one of his hands that's when he sees the people because yeah. one of his hands is like under this wall and he pulls it out and it's all bloody and shit it looks like they've been trying to eat it yeah and weird stuff in this movie apparently everybody who lives there is a cannibal of some sort yeah they've like forced these hot like these captives into being cannibals by like just killing everybody who comes in and then just feeding it to they won't just kill it's a whole we'll get there yeah so he is uh he realized like some like weird shit is going on yeah he finds the gold doubloon in yeah. scooter's hand and he's like fuck we got to get out of here. Yeah, so, so he's, he manages to, this is when he runs up the ramp. So yeah. he manages to get back up, or the weird cannibals, like, get out. I think it's Roach. That's yeah, how, it's just Roach. Yeah. Roach is one of these cannibals, but he's, like, escaped into the walls of the house. And he appears to be, like, trying to attack the fool who gets away he like fucking books it up this these fake stairs and manages to get out and slam. alice opens up the door for yeah. him and then he slams it and then he's like fuck so he heads out he sees that the couple is back yeah see and he's like shit so he's trying to find leroy leroy's like yo like you scared the shit out of me playboy i was just laying here on the floor maybe you should crawl into here and see what happens and fool's just like yo the family's back we need to get the fuck out There's of here. There's some weird shit going on in this house. We need to go. Yeah. Uh, your boy is dead. We need to get out of here. <laughs> they try to open up windows and shit. They try to kick out windows and nothing's happening. And so finally the family comes and they realize that somebody's there because they force they, one of the doors open and yeah. they just like jammed it shut. With to keep broom. the dog out. Yes. So they let the dog back in and... Leroy and Fool are trying to escape, but because the dog's in there, like they have to fight with the dog again. Yeah. And Leroy, earlier when they try to initially escape, touches the door handle and it shocks him. A uh, Fool grabs it. Fool grabs it. Yeah. yeah. Fool grabs it. And <laughs> Fool manages later on as the dog comes into <laughs> the, the dog room. The dog is attacking Leroy, just like locked onto his arm. <laughs> Fool somehow manages to drag Leroy and the dog towards the door. And he grabs the door handle and it shocks all three of them and it takes out the dog. That's the one bit of comedy. That's how they want <laughs> a comedy for <laughs> The only piece. And from there, the mother and father come back in and they are like, fuck, some people are here. And they'll put the house in lockdown and the chase ensues inside the house. But eventually, Leroy is caught and he's fucking plugged yeah he sh- he gets shot like six times daddy uh fucks him up yeah very strange i mean i guess not really all that strange i mean they clearly like do this when people get in their house yeah but uh, alice helps uh fool fool get 
like they're like in the bathroom and it's all they're like he's like what the fuck is going on and i was like your people aren't supposed to be here um i've never left and also the people in the basement are uh earlier versions of what is supposed to be me where mommy and daddy they take they have they tried to have other sons and they were bad and so uh daddy put them on there's like earlier fool sees a thing in like their little garden atrium thing it says uh see no evil speak no evil hear no evil whatever order those go in and so if any of the uh any of their quote-unquote kids violates one of those they uh fuck up that part like you know they'll Take out their eyes or if like, they see too much. They'll cut out their tongue like they did to Roach if they talk back. Yeah, talk back or like try to get help, like what happened with Roach. You know, they'll cut off their ears if they like hear some shit. And I was like, all right, this is wild, but whatever. So we that's when we get again. This is how we get information. It's all dumped on us in, a, in one dialogue sequence. Yeah, and then uh, Roach helps them escape that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because so, Roach cares about Alice. Alice has been feeding him. Yeah. Alice Alice gets in trouble earlier in the movie for feeding Roach and this is where you discover that her father is beating the shit out of yeah. her. This is also like, when um they reveal that they're racist. Yes. Yeah. So back to the current point in the movie where yeah. we are. Roach helps them get out of wherever they are. Yeah, or, they get from the bathroom to Well, it takes Alice first. Uh huh. And then Daddy finds fool because the dog is outside the door barking and then he manages to escape into the walls and then they are back in alice's room (laughs) and then this is the part that i didn't expect to happen mother and father walk in and they're like what the fuck are you guys doing here (laughs) it's like holy shit and then uh the father's got the shotgun pointed at fool uh i think roach manages to escape right yeah roach makes it out yeah and this whole time, like, the, the father is, like, walking around the halls and, like, plugging holes into the wall yeah, with he, shotgun. Yeah, he's, because he's angry with Roach for managing to escape the cellar. Yes. And has been, like, trying to find him and kill him this whole time. Or since he escaped, presumably. And I totally also, like, expected this cat and mouse thing to keep going for longer in the movie. But no, like, literally right afterwards they get caught. And so he doesn't kill Fool right away. He forces him to drag Leroy's body down to the cellar and then he chains him up and is like cutting Leroy's body open, like throwing the pieces to the cannibals. And he's even like eating some of the shit himself. Yeah. And he like drops Leroy's body into like this body of water underneath their house. Like this shit maybe. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, that's never literally never brought up again. We do see it one more time at the end of the film, but it's never explained. Yeah. Because it's already in the cellar. Like, they're already underground. Where is this second drop (laughs) that leads to filthy water? Maybe it was a four-story building, and they just put more (laughs) shit. They just filled the bottom of the water. So he's like, all right, now I'm going to let these cannibals have you. I'm not just going to kill you myself. I'm just going to, like, throw you in here. They're going to eat you. They're going to eat you, kid. And this is always a mistake, right, in in any horror movie. Yeah, or, if, you've got, if you've got somebody and you're going to kill them anyway, just fucking make sure they die in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Roach comes out of nowhere, saves him. They are unable to escape the, the cellar slash basement, so they hop into a furnace. And that's when Fool discovers... No, first, 
Roach goes up into the furnace and he pulls down some gold coins for for yes. uh, Fool. And that's when Fool discovers that Roach has been shot. Yeah, Daddy's still using the shotgun and he's been following him around. And like, as soon as they escape initially, they're like moving to the walls, but they can't take the same routes they were doing before because the dad is like patched him up. I can't keep calling him Daddy. That's what he's called in the movie, but I can't yeah. keep saying the word Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Roach just dies in the yeah. furnace. He yeah, just he's like dies. He does. He's like he gives Fool the coins, and then his tongue has been cut out, so he can't speak. But he, in his own blood on the wall, writes Alice because he wants Fool to help Alice escape. Fool's able to get out and back up to Alice, who has been. We get we see more like horrible things happen to Alice. God, she's like forced to clean up the blood, yeah. uh, Leroy's blood in the living room, and then she's put into like a bath a, full of scalding water. She's punished for getting her white dress dirty after Mother threw her into Leroy's blood. Yeah. And then that, that results in her getting tossed into scalding hot water and scrubbed with what appeared to be a wire brush. And because when we see her later, when we see her like the next when Fool makes it back up to her room, she's bright red. Yeah. Which is a good detail for someone who's been in scalding hot water. Yeah. They managed to get into the walls, but they don't really know their way around. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. They go back into the walls and then the father lights the furnace where Roach's body is. Yeah. And Alice's dress gets stuck, and she's like, who turned on the fucking heat? And so they manage to climb upward. They make it to the attic. Yes. From the attic, Fool is like, yo, we need to get the fuck out of here. And as it is understandable, Alice has agoraphobia to some extent, and she's like, I can't leave. I can't go. I can't do this. She's never been permitted to leave. As far as she's been there, presumably since she was an infant. And so doesn't know anything outside of the house. Eventually, the father comes up with the shotgun, and he's, like, going to shoot Fool. And Alice manages to save the day, and Fool escapes out of the window that's up there. And he lands into this little pool that they've got in the backyard that's presumably full of, like, algae and shit. And, it's filthy. We see yeah. it earlier in the movie, and that's how Fool remembers it. Yes, exactly. He manages to escape, and that's when he goes to meet his older sister, and his grandfather. Grandfather is just inexplicably there. And this is the same, like, literally the, the day that they have to be out. They're going to be evicted. But grandfather's like, you know, these are real gold. These are rare coins. This will definitely have the arbitrary amount that you need for your rent. And also pay for your mother's cancer operation. Singular. One operation that will get rid of your mother's cancer. Not the weeks of therapy <laughs> that it takes to eradicate cancer from a human body. We'll get her an ambulance tomorrow. We'll pay your rent. You'll be able to stay in this tenement building where there are a bunch of like drunkies and homeless people. And we're not going to get you out of here, but you can stay here in this too small apartment uh, where drug addicts are and also pay for cancer treatment. If you have enough for the second one, you definitely have enough to go somewhere else. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, this is when we find out is when we get the info dump of, yeah, their brother and sister. Uh, every generation of their family gets fucking crazier and crazier, probably because of implied incest. And there's nothing we can do about it. And he's like, there is something we could do about it. I'm going, fool's like, I'm going back. I got to save Alice. We're doing this shit. (laughs) And he does it. He goes back and he manages to get back into the house and tries to get Alice out. And she does. She's like, this time she's like, you're right. Like, he's like, hey, you were stolen as a baby 
and they're not your real parents. They've been raising you to like be this perfect thing, but really just using that as an excuse to abuse people. And so at first she's like, that's not true. They're my parents. They're just bad. Sometimes he eventually convinced her to like try to escape and then they fucking get caught again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this time the father doesn't even, he was about to kill fool, but then the police show up at the door. Yes. No, is this, he, he calls child protection services. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He calls he calls child protection services, and then the entire police department. It seems like searches the entire house. Yeah, it's like it's at least five, six officers, and then two social workers. Yeah, who are there and like searching while their fool is hiding downstairs after all the right. cops leave. He calls before he gets there. Yeah, and because the cops have the doors open because they're investigating, he manages to sneak in. Yeah, and he busts out after right. And he gets like uh, one of the pokers from the fireplace. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to fuck these two up. <laughs> so he's like walking upstairs and somehow they knew he was coming. Yeah. He like finds their control panel and like unlocks the front door. But then, yeah, he goes upstairs and they have like a tape of them. They're like weird going to bed routine, including the dad forgetting to pray and having to be reminded. It's weird, convoluted shit. Yeah. Maybe that was supposed to be another piece of comedy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it just like plays. It really just like plays up how deranged they are that they're like have contingencies for this shit. The dad busts out in his fucking gimp suit. They're like fighting in this hallway, and <laughs> fool is just giving it to him. Yeah, he breaks the poker over the dad's head. Yeah, that was after Mama came out, and he kneecapped her yeah. with the fucking poker. It was so sick. I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, fuck him up, fuck him up, dude. So he like gets away. He gets back to Alice's room and it's like, yo, this shit's real. We need to go. (laughs) And they're about to roll out this. No, they let Prince out. Yeah. They let Let the dog out to like into the walls to get to him. Yeah. And they're fighting like in the walls and the dad's like going after him. And he has like a bayonet attached to his shotgun and he is like stabbing the walls, trying to get to Prince or trying to get to a fool. And fool like sees that he's stabbing and tricks him into stabbing the dog, which was tight, which is real good. Yeah. And so they, and so the dad's like, "Fuck yeah, we got him. We fucking nailed it. Now let's get our shitty daughter and <laughs> abuse her some more." But like, they're actually fine. He stabbed the dog. They fucking dip, and they managed to get. I think they get close because like like uh, the dad had like closed up all the ways they were getting around before they'd make it back up to the attic and it's like he the first thing he did after you escaped was he drained the pool and he put a bunch of like broken glass and like rocks and shit so what we've got to do the fool's like all right we'll go up on the roof we'll go around and we'll like fuck him up in the chimney and that's what they fucking do <laughs> yep they managed to well one of the things that actually upset me is that when the mother is sticking her head into the chimney, they didn't just drop on her, like let go and drop right on her because that would have just broken her neck. Yeah. That would have been really sick. But full manages to help Allison get to a lower level, lower level where the fireplace is. Below the fireplace that's presumably upstairs. They get below. Yes. And then he goes, I'm going back for the shotgun. And she's like, he tells her like front doors fucking open. Get the fuck out of here. And so she starts to leave, but 
the mother catches her and she's just like, you fucking whore. You had sex with that 13 year old boy or whatever. They're both of the parents are like really obsessed with her not having sex with people. It's really weird. But what, what do you expect from this family at this point? So she's just like, no, you're not even my fucking mom, dog. Leave me alone. And she like, yeah, she turns on her. She steps on her foot and then, uh, takes off then the mom grabs a knife uh she manages she tries to get out and she can't and so she like she runs off somewhere again or no yeah father catches him again yeah and throws him to the and that's when he ends up at the cannibals he pulls the uh lever yeah and he falls down right and he drops the shotgun and then father with his pistol in his hand for some reason comes down to grab the shotgun yeah and starts shooting at him again yeah Uh, he manages to hide but then uh and he like the the people under the stairs, as the title says, yes, uh, grab fool and like move him towards the lock, and then drop him. Yeah, push when, him out of the way. Yeah, so that shotguns. busts the lock, and so he manages to get in, and like they like help him get away, and like they show him the this vault is full of fucking money, and that's when Ruby knocks on the door. Yeah, and she's like. She goes to the basement. Is like, stop fucking shooting. Someone's here. And Ruby's like, Yo, y'all are fucked up. You're taking kids out of our community. You're doing all this shit, and we know what's up, bitch. Like, what's going on? <laughs> he's like, Uh, whatever. And she like closes the door, and then she goes back. And is like, fucking get him. We need to get him right now. People are around. The granddad knocks on the door. And is like, Yo, it's police. We heard reports of shooting. And then she goes back. And is like, Hey, not the police, but like you're gonna hear us. And she's like. I got a gun and then a bunch of people from the neighborhood like walk up. Are you going to fucking shoot all of us? And she's the mom straight up like, well, I'll start with you. And is ready to shoot her. When Alice drops from the the ceiling onto her. Yeah. And then slams her face. Fucking slams her face. And I was like, hell yeah. Like they're getting it. Yeah. And that's when Ruby goes inside the house. Yeah. And, they realize that the mom is gone. Yeah, that she's moved. Oh, and that's when the door opens. Yeah, yeah, and, and then it shuts again. So Alice goes over to try to like use the control panel, but I guess they have a remote override, which is like the opposite of how that would work. But it's fine. <laughs> they have a remote override, and that's when mother jumps her with the knife. Yes, and we cut back to the cellar, and fool is or fought, like the dad is like trying to find him yeah and fool at this point has rewired the safe because it's rigged up with dynamite and shit yeah for whatever fucking reason yeah i don't know i, I don't know uh, so anyway. the father goes in and i thought this part was really clever he's like shoved a super clever he shoved a bunch of coins into this can into these candles and like lit them and so as the candle melts the coins are falling out and if you know and they're hitting the ground and so the father is like I fucking got you. Yes, you just count all this money. Yo, it's great, but like I have it and you don't, and I'm gonna fucking kill you and never see this much money again. And it was a fucking ruse, and it's very cool. I was like, hell yeah, kid! <laughs> it's a cool, yeah. it's a great thing you just did. It was very clever. And he's like, yo, it's weird that you keep dynamite down here, but I reworked your system, and I swear to fucking god, if you kill me, <laughs> I'm gonna blow your shit up. And 
So like, which is really fucking stupid because he's still got to put the wires yeah, together. Still, there's no reason to believe that if he got shot, that he would like remember to do this. <laughs> that his arms would go in and touch, and they would the wires would contact. But whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he blows up the dad. Yeah, he and, fucking calls his bluff, and so he does it. He blows him the fuck up, explodes all the money, explodes the house. And at this prior to this. The people under the stairs escape. Yes. And they're helping Alice try to get out. But Alice is in the kitchen. She's like trying to get out through that door that's in the kitchen because the front door won't open up. Yeah. And so the mother sees her in there and it, she's got her knife. She's like, you betrayed me, you fucking whore. Yeah. So she's and, like chasing her around and like has her on the stairs. And it's like about to stab her to death and fucking arms shoot through. <laughs> yes. And so like, you know, these... These uh, boys are like just fucking grabbing her from all kinds of things. They're weirdly strong. Punching through the stairs, through the floor, through like the walls and shit as like they're chasing this house. And they chase her back into the kitchen where Alice has gotten back to and she has the knife now. And they chase her directly into it. And so the mom is stabbed. And she's like, you fucking bitch. Or whatever. Yeah. Takes the knife out. And then goes to stab her again. Like she's yeah. still like about it. And then the dudes stop her. And at this point, I thought they were just going to eat her alive. Yeah. But they just slit her throat and dump her in the cellar. Yeah. And that's when you have the coins falling and the explosion happens. Yeah. And really, that's where the movie ends. And this is one of the weird things about this movie. Everybody just gets some money, I guess, and they have a block party over the graves of these. We people. don't even see the party or anything. There's the there's the explosion, and like money goes everywhere. Yes, and then people are like, "Oh fuck yeah!" There's all this fucking scorched money. Yeah, and they're grabbing it, and then the movie just ends. Yeah, Fool and Alice leave the house, and then the movie's over. Roll credits. Nothing. Yeah, no closure. I mean, presumably, everybody's problems have been solved because they found a treasure trove of a billion dollars or whatever. But also, like, Alice doesn't know who her real parents are. Uh, She's never interacted with a single other person other than her weird uh, her, like, their weird kidnappers and this this wall drilling, dwelling former cannibal and now this 13 year old black kid this house has blown up in the middle of the night yeah and cops are probably going to show up at some point i don't know what do you tell the cops like these fucking cannibals were hoarding money because you blew up where all of the bodies were yeah yeah but i mean that little cellar thing is still under there with yeah. the trap door and the button like also now all of these like weird cannibal shut-ins who have like descended into madness are just like loose like what do you do yeah 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 that's a good question like obviously you try to rehabilitate them but how like that level of abuse like what do you do you put them in like hospice care yeah leave them there for the rest of their lives you never find their parents yeah so with alice alice is never gonna meet her parents ever never roach was the lucky one he was killed yeah he (laughs) that's the best case scenario so presumably this was based off a real case that uh, John Carpenter or John Carpenter, Wes Craven uh, read about. Really? Yeah. Um, where these two burglars broke into a house and this happened to, like this also in LA. They broke into a house and found that this family was like keeping their kids like locked in the basement. And, uh, 
I mean, we just saw, what was it? Was it last year or like late 2017? There was that family up in Riverside that had been uh, keeping their kids like locked in the house for years. Like that kind of like that shit's real. Like this kind of that kind of shit happens. I don't know if it's to the extent where they're like keeping quote unquote failed experiments in the basement and feeding them human bodies, but like fucking crazy. Yeah, and there was like Ariel Castro in New York, um, who and was the women out in Ohio as well. Yeah, like that shit happens. Yeah, but that's presumed. Wes Craven has like spoken in interviews about how this like a th- this that's what the story was inspired by. It was like actual cases of oh, gross people uh, being people keeping children like locked up in their houses. And he was like, "Isn't that funny?" And the answer this is was a comedy. <laughs> this is fucking no. <laughs> this movie's fucking weird. But it's like it's not funny, but it's also not super grisly. Yeah, it's tense. It's it's tense. Well, it was for me for the first like yo that first hour. half hour hour is like pulse pounding. I was like, what the? Because I was like laying down. I was laying down at first. Like I put it on. I was like laying on my couch. And then once uh, once they came, when they came back and like the van still in the driveway, I was like, okay, it's about to get interesting. And then Leor just gets fucking capped. So I'm like, okay, because. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's like fool, make it out, and like he comes back, and like, like no, he's fucking trapped in this house, <laughs> and then he gets caught. Like you're caught off guard. You're like off guard for that whole like first hour. It's pretty intense, and the, it's only hour forty, so like you're just in it. Yeah. So like it is very tense. It's like more. It's more of a like low budget thriller than a comedy horror. Yeah. Like, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. It was a good movie. Uh, I would recommend it. It's one of the, it's just a low budget horror movie. It's not, you're not going to have like jump scares or, yeah. it's just fucking tense. It's more of a thriller than it is a horror yeah. movie. If a month and a half from now you want to start your, uh, your 31 days of Halloween or whatever the fuck ABC family used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but like with actual like scary movies, if you want to start, uh, the people under the stairs is good for like October 2nd. You want to watch someone a little low key. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more chill. Yeah. It's a chill experience. No, I would definitely to... recommend it. I'm probably going to watch it again. Not like immediately, but like, you know, a couple weeks. It'll be what it'll be the movie I use uh, to placate my girlfriend when she wants to watch scary movies because I can't fucking handle scary <laughs> movies and uh, she loves them. So oh. she can. I'll be like, hey. Remember that movie I did for the podcast a couple weeks ago? Let's uh, let's watch that. It's a scary movie, and I'm like, cool, I can handle this shit. Yeah, yeah. And then she can have the rest of the month with her friends to watch actual scary movies. It's definitely like it's very tense. Uh, the there's like a legitimate like comeuppance. Like you feel like when when he fucking goes back in, and he like beats him up. <laughs> like fuck yeah! And then like when Alice comes, it's like you're not my mom. Uh, you've been fucking us up and cause like the whole thing is like, it's, it's like a weird religious thing where they're like, they can burn in hell. They just like keep saying that about people. And I was like, you're not my mom. You've been fucking up. I'm leaving and you can burn in hell. And it's fucking great. Like you yeah. feel good when they succeed. Absolutely. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. Real obscure pick, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. Shouts out to uh, the dude whose name I forgot already. Omar Escargot. 
good wreck good wreck this is a solid one uh we'll be back with our titular segment no concessions Hey, it's Denzel, and I'm here to remind you that in the show notes, as well as on the website, you can find a link to the Suggest a Review form, where you can suggest a review that we should do for the show. If there's something that you want to see, then put it in there. All right. Bye. Enjoy the show. And we're back with No Concessions, our titular segment in which we cape for our favorite or least favorite movie. Charles, how about you uh, lead us off? I am going to go with Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. <laughs> so, the first Michael Bay produced, he did not direct either of these films, uh, but the, he did produce them. The first Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is bad. Like, objectively, it's not a good movie. They tried some shit. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. But overall, it's a bad, it's a bad movie. The second one. So one th- one of the issues I have with the first one is it like doesn't in the same like the Transformers movies don't at times like they don't really want to fully embrace how weird they are, but at the times they'll be like super cartoony and weird. There's not really a balance to what they're trying to do, so like it's hard to get a feel for it. The second one is straight up a modern retelling of the '80s cartoon. In live action. It's fucking incredible. It's really... They, like, take what people liked about, like, the family-friendly version of the Turtles and just, like, dial it up. It's very funny. The effects look great. The acting's not all great. <laughs> not all the acting is really good. I like Stephen Amell, but uh, he's he's very uh, first-season Arrow in <laughs> out, of the, out of the Shadow. <laughs> but, like... Uh, Gary Anthony Williams and uh, Seamus as Bebop and Rocksteady are fucking, they're so funny. It's so good. And like their motion capture and like their effects are very, like are very cool. They like go full on cartoon silliness with like Krang shows up and voiced by Brad Garrett randomly. But it's, it's just weird. It's very weird. Tyler Perry is there. Yeah. He's Baxter Stockman, who was black in the comic, and then was made white for the, for the first, the 80s show, and then was black again in the underrated early 2000s cartoon. And then he's black again in the second uh, Michael Bay movie. But it's just like, it's weird and fun in like a really cartoonish way. There's nothing else is redeemable really about it, but it's very cartoonish and embraces that in a way that's very appealing to me. You've probably, from listening to the show so far, you know I like silly shit. Just stuff that's weird and silly, but like fully embraces it. I'm very, and I'm also very into spectacle. There's a lot of that in this movie. If you just want to like have a cool, like fun time for roughly two hours, definitely watch Out of the Shadows and not the first one. Okay. Pretend the first one doesn't exist. Just watch Out of the Shadows. It's very fun. It's a good movie watching experience. I saw it in theaters twice. It's fucking great. Okay. It's okay. on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure it's still on Amazon Prime. It's either Amazon Prime or Hulu. So you can watch it, I guess, not for free for the $10 you're paying to either of those services already. It's included. So fucking check that shit out. It's a live action cartoon in the best way. Okay. That's a pick. You have, you have like, I've discovered some of the hottest takes. Yeah. God damn. I don't like good movies, it turns out. <laughs> turns out. 
My pick this week is going to be Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Have you ever seen this movie? No, but I'm familiar. It's fucking insane. It's a retelling of some manga or something in which a man is framed and sent to prison and has to fight his way to freedom. And it's it's like Kickboxer, except way better. I'm pretty sure Kickboxer was the one where uh van damme was yeah. in prison and has to fight his way out yeah was and then they re- made a remake with uh wesley snipes was, yes no it was michael jai white yes and then Holy scott shit. adkins was in like the fourth and fifth one playing some russian guy oh well, did anyone see his uh his shitty movie that came out this year no what movie was it uh, i feel like we talked about it in one of the last episodes of uh rnh okay it's possible but uh yeah scott adkins was like there was a movie that came out earlier this year. Oh, Avengement. Avengement came out earlier this year. I saw one trailer for it and then saw nothing about it afterwards. It's probably very bad. Like most of his movies are. Yeah. Cause he's the star and like you're, you're the dude who played toad in the first X-Men man. Like <laughs> cool. it. So the story of Ricky is just this weird movie with a bunch of like really terrible practical effects, mm-hmm. but it's so fun to watch because it's almost nonsensical in a way that's like a lot of fun. There's this part of the movie where Ricky punches the head, punches through somebody's head. Yes, this uh, I know this. Right. There's a portion of the movie where he puts somebody in a meat grinder. <laughs> He there's so much of this movie that's so good and it's so much fun to watch. I just I love it. And the part where not to sound like morose or anything, I think I use that word right. Yes. But well it depends on what you say after it. His there's this portion of the movie where his girlfriend jumps off a roof and they show her falling off the roof, but it's very clearly like a stuffed doll. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's, oh man, I really enjoy the movie though. It's probably one of the first dubs that I've seen of a foreign movie and the haircut is right. The body is right, yeah. dude. He fights, oh my God, he fights so many people in the movie and it's so good. It's such a fun watch. And the warden turning into that fucking monster at the end. Yes. Oh, God. I love it. Yeah. I've seen, I think, I think, uh, Sean baby. If you guys fucking remember Sean baby from the early 2000s, uh, wrote an article about this movie and he like had embedded like clips of like this wildest shit. I'm remembering specifically of the fight they have in like a prison yard. Uh-huh. And he's like fucking, you know, they're fighting, he's fighting and like the dude pulls a knife and like they're like they're fucking each other up and then he and then he slits his wrist and then takes one of the tendons and tries to choke Ricky with it. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah what yeah, the yeah. fuck yeah. is yes. happening? It was so crazy. This shit's wild. I'm about to watch that whole movie because that looks crazy. And I'm like, there's no way these scenes are connected in any way in a single narrative. Dude, it's fucking insane. I love that movie so much. And it's worth every minute of watching just because of how off the wall it is. And you really have to dance a fine line when you make a movie like this. Yeah. It's either like way terrible or 
it's like tolerable, but very rarely are these kinds of movies actually very good. Mm. And this movie is very good. And I could just be saying that because I love this movie and I have for a long time, but check it out, dude. Yeah. Track it down. Watch both of our movies. Watch both of the movies we picked for very different reasons. Yes, absolutely. Thanks everybody for listening to this week's edition of no concessions. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.